0: The motherland. I could feel her hands. They were small, wrinkled, and cold. These hands were gently tracing the contours of my face. You aren't Korean, my dear. You're American, said a voice in Korean, her voice strong and able. I sat and felt a strange calm. This was my grandmother, the mother of my father, now aged beyond her years as she was examining her progeny seemingly fascinated by my appearance and demeanor. I sat frozen. Time was not present. This kindred old spirit, my grandmother who I never knew was molding my skin and soothing my anxious mind. She was familiar, wise, and all-loving. I could feel her love, a heavy wave washing over me. I did not cry. My heart did not leap. I remained as is, still and tranquil. I was in Seoul, Korea, and I was 26. I decided to make this personal journey to reconnect with my family from both my mother and father, a family whom I did not know. They were all strangers to me. They grew up in a separate continent with their culture, their language, their routines. I was born and raised in the States, having to come to terms with my identity by myself. No parent, no childhood friend could understand nor contextualize what the American experience was. And hence what it meant to be American. At the time, the economy was heading to the shitter, and my small consulting firm which I established in Echo Park was faltering. I needed to feel comfort, perhaps validation of why I choose to do what I do, and in turn, learn more about who I was. So without any hesitation, I booked a flight online and decided to take off to Korea in two weeks. It was winter, and had I known better, I would have chosen a different time to visit. When I landed at Incheon Airport, I could feel the complete wrath of Seoul's unforgiving chill. I was greeted by my two aunts, faces that reminded me of my father. They were giddy and jovial, a pair of youthful energy in their senior older lady selves. I felt immediate camaraderie among them as they gathered my luggage and we headed into the subway terminal. Inside, I took off my gloves and looked around as the train car filled itself with souls, inhabitants of boys and girls in their school uniforms, older men clutching onto their newspapers, young college kids staring deeply into their large screen mobile devices. An old man, a laborer, sunk into his corner seat, his body crumpled in defeat from the day. I looked at him closely, his facial hair outgrown, his face matted with wrinkles creased deeply into his skin his fingernails black with soot, and his boots covered in mud and snow. I had never seen an old Korean laborer, a man who looked like my father, yet so aged, so tired. I wondered about this old man's life as I gripped onto the train railing and smiled politely to my aunts, who kept staring at me in wonderment. I'm sure I looked like a strange being, a projection of my young father in me, yet my stature, my gestures, and my gaze completely foreign and alien. I took all of this from a vantage point of utter fascination. I often wondered who I would be had I been born and raised in Seoul. I wondered if such thoughts I possess of existential questions of race and identity would befuddle my life as they did presently. When I was four years old, I recall a memory of living in Sun Valley. It was later afternoon, and I was out and about playing with the local neighborhood children who were made up of Mexican immigrants and low-income white folks. I was the only Asian of the bunch, but I never paid mill no mind as to what I looked like until that day. A white boy named Jeremy invited the kids over to his front yard to play a game of softball. When we arrived, he stood at the gatepost, allowing everyone in except me. He pointed at me and said, I'm sorry, we don't allow chinks in this house. I continued to walk forward and he stuck his index finger against my chest. I said, we don't allow no chinks in here. I was confused. I never heard the word chink, so I asked him what he meant. Chink, as in gook, as in Chinese. No chinks allowed. Now leave. He stabbed me again on my chest. I didn't feel anger nor sadness. I felt numb. I didn't like being treated this way. I turned around and walked down the street to my house. I could feel the warm sun on my back, and I heard the crunching noises of fallen leaves under my feet. My mother was lying down in the living room couch. She looked exhausted. She was working the graveyard shift of a manufacturing plant, soldering motherboards by hand in an assembly line. My father was out mowing lawns. This is how my parents made money and provided for us. I tiptoed around her and found myself in front of a mirror in the corridor. The mirror was tall and expansive and patterned with a marble design. The afternoon sun was ablaze and glimmered its light onto the mirror. I walked towards the light and I could make my reflection on my face, I walked slowly and peered into the pupils of my eye, watching how they would dilate as I stepped back and forth. I looked at my dark brown eyes and realized that they were indeed a different shape. I looked at my nose, my lips, my teeth, the mole on my left cheek, my brown hair which lopped on my head. This was the first time I realized I looked different. I didn't look like the children in my neighborhood. I turned around and walked towards my sleeping mother. I prodded her shoulder as I heard her exhale a tiring moan. I tapped her shoulder as a child would, and my mother swatted me away. I leaned closer to my mother's face and I asked her in Korean, Mother, why wasn't I born white? My mother's eyelids opened wide and she had a scowl on her face as she responded in Korean, Don't ask such a silly question, now get out and let your mother sleep. I wasn't angry at my mother, I was numb. The question still beckoned as yet other questions began to sprout. Why was I born, and what is life? Why was I born inside of a race that permitted me from playing with the other children? Why did our house smell different from the others? What does it mean to be alive? These questions haunted me as I grew up later in the San Fernando Valley. We would skateboard on the sidewalks, cannonball into swimming pools, sip our 7-Eleven Slurpees, play arcade games in the liquor stores. Ride our BMX bikes around the block? All the while, such questions loomed inside of me. I did not understand the idea of what this strange land that I was born in meant to me. I did not understand what America was, nor what being American meant. Most of the time, when I looked at that flag of stars and stripes, I saw a flag that defended the rights of people who did not look like me. I did not see the melting pot, that grand American tradition of Horatio Aldridge's rags to riches that all roads were paved in gold that America was the land of opportunity, this was a myth. Identity was not provided nor enforced, rather, it was denied. And so here I sat in a quiet apartment, located in a high-rise building in modern-day Seoul, a city that was so many worlds away from my personal identity. I looked Korean, and I enjoyed what for the first time felt like being invisible, becoming one fish in a school of many, and yet I did not feel comfortable. I felt that my life and my experience growing up as an American citizen was something that perhaps most Native Koreans took for granted. Prejudice, to the degree that Asian Americans underwent and to this day undergo, is something that is unique and cannot be an experience shared through mere cultural solidarity. And in this regard, my wise old grandmother, mother of my father, was correct. I was indeed not Korean. I was American. And it wasn't until that very moment when she defined me as such that I felt it. I could feel her hands. They were small, wrinkled, and cold. These hands, which gently traced the contours of my face. These hands, who belonged to my matriarch and the comfort to my existence.